Thanks for joining us today. Today we're talking about baptism. What is baptism all about? Why is it so important? Well, today we've got answers. Take a listen as Pastor Rick talks about an issue that separates so many people of faith, a message on the importance of baptism. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Great to be back with you. Every uh, year, I usually set aside one Sunday to talk about baptism uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, uh, the first one is baptism is so divisive for so many people. Uh, there's so many different things that people of faith believe about baptism. There are some who believe that you baptize by sprinkling. There are some who believe you baptize by pouring. And there are those who believe you baptize by dunking or immersing. Some believe you baptize both or any way you want to baptize. And, and then there are those who believe that uh, babies should be baptized. And others believe, no, only adults should be baptized. And still others believe if you've never been baptized, you're not going to make it to heaven. And some believe that, man, baptism isn't even part of the equation. Uh, and a lot of controversy, a lot of controversy. And I'm not naive, right? I don't think I'm going to preach this message and solve all those issues for everybody. What then is the goal of this? Well, I want it to be clear for you. Right? I'm not worried about all the fights that are going on out there. I'm not worried about all the divisiveness. I want it to be clear for you. And I want to make sure it's right in your life. And, um, you know, we often we do something for so long. And, and I've been around church a long time. I shared with Matthew at the beginning, at the end of the first service. I mean, sometimes you do a message like this. It's like, man, wish we were preaching on something else. It'd be more exciting. But I came across a piece that really kind of reignited this for me. And it was written by Max Lucado. Now, if you read Max Lucado, you probably know this. That's why this is significant to me. Max Lucado spent most of his life as a church of Christ. And to write something about baptism like what he has written is unreal. This is really good. Listen to this. He says, either we deify baptism or we trivialize baptism. One can see baptism as the essence of the gospel or as irrelevant to the gospel. Both sides are equally perilous. One person says, I am saved because I was baptized. The other person says, I'm saved so I don't need to be baptized. The challenge is to let the pendulum stop somewhere between those two viewpoints. And this is done by placing baptism where it should be. Listen to this. At the foot of the cross. Baptism is like a precious fine cut stone set apart by itself. It's nice. It's appealing. But it has nothing within itself that illuminates. But place baptism against the backdrop of sin and turn on the light of the cross. And the jewel will explode with significance. Baptism at once reveals the beauty of the cross and the darkness of sin. As a stone has many facets, baptism has many sides. Cleansing, burial, resurrection, the death of the old and the birth of the new. And just as the stone has no light within it, baptism has no inherent power. But just as the stone refracts the light into many colors, so baptism reveals the many facets of God's grace. That's incredible. This is what got me. This is what made me chuckle about how great God really is. The thief on the cross 
is a crucial exception. His conversion drives dogmatists crazy, right? All the people who like to argue about doctrine and what's right and what's wrong is this guy here. He drives them crazy. Listen to this. It's no accident. Think about that. God could have chosen anybody to be the first person to respond to the cross. But it was that thief that God chose. It was not an accident. This is what he says. It is no accident that the first one to accept the invitation of the crucified Christ has no creed, no confirmation, no christening, no catechism. How disturbing to theologians to ascend to the mountain of doctrine only to be greeted by an uneducated thief who cast his lot with Christ. Here's a man that never went to church, never gave an offering was never baptized, and as far as we know, only prayed one prayer in his entire life. But it was enough. Oh, that's so good. He has a crucial role in the gospel drama. The thief reminds us that though our dogma may be airtight and our doctrine dead center, in the end, it is Jesus who saves. Does his story negate the importance of obedience? No. It just puts obedience in its proper perspective. Any step taken is a response to salvation offered, not an effort at salvation earned. In the end, God has the right to save any heart, for he and only he sees the heart. That is good stuff. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take today, we're going to look at the scripture, and we're going to look at how the method of baptism, the meaning of baptism, and why it should be important in your life and my life. So would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you uh, for all that you've already done. Father, the, the number of people today who've already come to terms with this in their life. Uh, Father, the encouraging things that we've seen you do. And we look forward to what you're going to do now. And here's what we pray, Father. We pray freedom. Father, we, we, we want people to know the freedom that is possible in Jesus. And Father, for those who have been struggling with this question for some time, I pray that today they'd find that freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about the method of baptism. Um, if we want to understand this, we've got to go way back and look at just a little bit of, of grammar, a little bit of history, and understand some stuff about Scripture. Baptize is a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo. Now, what does that transliteration mean? It means they took one letter for each Greek letter and put an English letter with it and came up with the word baptize from the Greek word baptizo. So if you want to know what baptizo, Ties means, you've got to go back and look at what baptizo means. And it literally means a sunken ship. To go under, to immerse, to dip, right? It is the picture of something being put under, usually, water. But where we get the really clear picture is 200 years before Jesus was ever even born. A guy named Nicanor in 200 B.C., wrote the recipe for how to make pickles. So here, here's your sermon point. Baptism, it's like making pickles. In this little recipe, twice he uses the word baptizo or bapto. So he says, take the cucumber. Those of you guys that grew up in the country, you're going to appreciate this. And he said, bapto it in hot water. We would call that blanching, right? If you're from the country, you blanch it before you can it. Dip it in it and take it out real quick. And after you've done that, 
you submerge it in a vinegar solution. You baptizo it in the vinegar and seal it up. You put it under completely. And that is the picture of the meaning of the word baptizo. Both bapto, I love this, and baptizo have a meaning. Bapto is a temporary word, right? You took it in and you put it out. But baptizo, get this, this is so good about the pickles, right? It really is. That once you put it in that vinegar solution, if you ever take it out, it's different. Are you with me? That when you baptize, when you immerse in that, you come out different. That is a picture of baptism. So we get to the issues of sprinkling, pouring, and dripping. We call that the method. There are two weighty pillars of baptism, the method and the meaning. We're going to get to both of them. We're starting with the simple one first. So if you read through Scripture, you find no illustration anywhere that anyone was ever sprinkled, ever poured on. Um, so where did that come from? Well, uh, church history, you go to the Didache, which means the teaching of the 12, and you read about church history. The exception was made in places where water was scarce that you could pour or you could sprinkle. And so that's where the origin of pouring and sprinkling. Well, hey, listen, we understand that. And, and by the way, it really is secondary to meaning, and we'll get to that in a second. But that's where that exception in the method came from. But if you, if you look at Scripture, there are a couple of good pictures of immersion. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. Uh, and it says, after he was baptized, he came up immediately out of the water. What's the picture of going into the water? Coming up out of the water. You go to Matthew chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He's reading Scripture, riding along with Philip. He becomes convicted of his sin, makes that decision, man, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Is there any reason I can't be baptized now? There's water. And the scripture says that he went down into the water. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. And when they came up out of the water, Philip was taken away to another location. So the meaning of the word and the illustration of scripture is this, that the correct method of baptism is immersion. Now we're going to move to meaning. I want you to look right here at me and make sure you get this. The method doesn't make any difference at all if you've missed the meaning. I need you to hear that. If you have misunderstood what this means, it doesn't matter about the method. Whether you've used the correct method or not, the meaning has to be right and rightly understood. So let's, let's talk about the meaning of baptism. First of all, baptism in and of itself holds no magical power to get you to heaven. Again, look at me. This is really weighty stuff for a lot of people. Just because you've been through the water doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Okay? Understand that. So what does get us to heaven? I mean, if we're sitting out there dang going, listen, I was baptized when I was uh, six years old, seven years old, eight years old. I always thought I was going to heaven because I was baptized. What gets us to heaven? Well, we go to Scripture. Romans chapter 10. Listen to this. But what does the Scripture say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, there's a formula. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. What's missing from the formula? What's missing? Get wet. Nowhere in there. 
I'll even stretch it out. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I hope I don't get misunderstood for this. But it doesn't say get sprinkled, get dipped, or get poured. Doesn't say any of them. You want to get saved, right? Which is the big thing. You confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart. That salvation is an issue of faith. The scripture goes on to say, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And chapter 10, verse 13 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is an issue of faith. Romans, or Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So our relationship with God is based on faith. It is not based on an act. It is not based on a ritual. It is not based on a work, right? All you have to do, if salvation is a gift, the only thing you can do in response to a gift is either receive it or reject it. Stay with me. There needs to have been a time in your life when you have looked at the gift that God has offered you in the form of his son Jesus and you've either looked at it and go, I want it, I receive it, or you look at it and you go, I reject it. There's no other option. That's it. That is salvation. So our relationship with God is based on faith. Baptism is a one-time declaration of a lifetime devotion to Jesus. Baptism is simply an outward symbol of an inward reality. Uh, the act of immersing the believer underwater and then bringing him forth out of the water represents the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So every time, we're going to cover this again in a second, but just get this. Every time uh, we baptize some people this morning, that we baptize, you see the work of Jesus. And I think we just run folks through the baptistry and we don't ever stop and think about that. Right, that you are looking at the work of Jesus, that he was, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected. We are reminded that salvation is totally the work of Jesus every time we see a baptism. If we choose to see it. Baptism is a picture. It's a picture uh, of two really significant spiritual realities. The first one is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into, here it is, first of all, the death of Jesus. Therefore, we have been buried, the burial of Jesus, with him, and through baptism into death, so that as Christ was, here it is, raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in unison of life. So there it is, it's a picture of Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection, every time we go into these waters, every time they're stirred, a testimony of what Jesus has done for us. But it's also a picture of what has happened in our life. And that is the death of the old man and the resurrection to walk in a different kind of life. If you will, to be a better pickle or to be a pickle, right? You're no longer a cucumber. Whatever happened in your life changed you. If it didn't change you, it didn't happen. Are you with me? is that we are different people because of what Jesus has done. Baptism is a picture of the death of our old man. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. So you get in the water, right? You watch people be baptized. And the water hits you about right here. Everything from here up is dry, right? This is your old man. The unchanged man. The man that needed Jesus to do something in his life. That man dies and is buried. 
goes under the water. How bad you've been determines how long you stay under. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Somebody's out there. I'll never come up, Pastor. No. You come up, watch. Now everything from here up is no longer dry, it's wet. It's different. We're a new creation. Right? It is a picture, it is symbolic of what has happened to our life spiritually. It doesn't do anything, but it pictures everything that Christ has done for us. The, the best picture of this is the wedding ring. All right, I, I've done this for years. Usually bring some poor girl up on stage with me, but I've just aged out of that, really, just to be honest with you. Um, you see the wedding ring, and you see it on anybody's hand, and you know there are certain things that are true about their life. Let this sink in. You see it, you don't even have to know who they're married to. But when you see it, you know certain things are true. Right? That they've made a covenant with someone to, to love them, man, to be faithful to them. No, no matter what happens in life, they're going to be with them. That they made a covenant, and that covenant means you keep your hands off of them. And they should keep their hands off of you. Because that covenant binds you to somebody. Don't even have to know who it is. Because the symbol represents the covenant. When we come to Jesus, the covenant is our salvation. The symbol that represents the covenant is our baptism. That is why people go, you ever been baptized? It's the symbol. You married? Don't even have to open my mouth, right? Married. Baptism is the symbol of the covenant. When does the symbol come? After the covenant's established. Not before. And here's the crazy thing. Anybody that's been married for, I don't know, longer than 24 hours realizes it's different than I thought it'd be, right? right? So, so there's no way to look down the road and see all the hard things that you may face as a married couple. You don't know what's going to happen. That's why the marriage is not built on the ring. It's built on the covenant. No matter what happens. Think about those vows. Rich or poor. Sickness and health. Better or worse. I made a covenant. Not based on a ring. Based on a covenant. That is our relationship. With Jesus. I skipped the point. I don't know if they got it or not. About baptism separates tire kickers from car buyers. Uh, <laughs> It's just got to, it's got to do with, you know, who's looking around and who's following Jesus. Baptism always follows faith. We covered that, talking about the ring. Because baptism is a symbol of faith, it always follows faith. If your baptism preceded your faith, then you need to get baptized in the correct order. Okay, so there's going to be some people here, and you're going to look at your life. And I'm going to share my testimony in just a minute. But you're going to go, man, you know, I never really did understand what it meant to follow Jesus and was never serious about following Jesus. Um, you know, maybe I was baptized when I was six, seven, eight years old. But man, this whole thing of following Jesus, it's, it's a whole new world to me now. I didn't get any of that at six, seven, or eight years old. And, and your baptism, you realize, is on the wrong side of your faith. You're baptized at six or seven, but faith came at 20, 30, 40. And you need to get that lined up. And you say, well, how will I know if I need to get it lined up? Because God will let you know. Believe with all my heart, if it's bugging you, you need to fix it. 
That's it. That God loves you enough, this is an act of obedience, that if he wants you to fix it, you're going to know. Okay, so watch this. You're going to sit out there and you're going to go, wow, what will people think? Because I've been in church all my life. Who cares? I'll tell you what this church will think. They'll celebrate. I'll tell you what God will think. If God's asking you to do it, God will be extremely excited that you've been obedient. So who is it that's whispering in your ear, don't worry about it? Who is it that doesn't want you to take a step of obedience in following Jesus? Who is it that doesn't want you to have a better relationship with Jesus? Oh, there's one answer to that. You have an enemy. And he's doing his best to keep you as far from God as he can keep you. Last point, the importance of baptism. Why is it important for me and for you? Well, first of all, Jesus commanded that all Christians be baptized in Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. We call it the Great Commission. But Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world baptizing men and teaching them, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So baptism is the first act of obedience in the life of a follower of Jesus. It's the first thing we do. It's like, okay, what do we do now? Let's, be, let's get baptized. So if you're a follower, you want to do what Jesus wants you to do. That's to take the symbol of the covenant between you and him, right? That's the equivalent of me standing, making a covenant with my wife. She hands me a ring and goes, hey, babe, not today. Uh, I'm just not ready for everybody to know I'm married to you. Well, that's going to go over really good. <laughs> yeah, and we get that. We get that. How do, you, how do you think it is for God? Oh, yeah, I want to go to heaven. Just not ready for everybody to know. What? First act of obedience is to follow in believers' baptism. Number two, Jesus not only taught baptism, he modeled it. Right, so in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was baptized. Question for you, requires an answer. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Then you have to read scripture and go, why? If he didn't need to be baptized, why was he baptized? Great question. Well, the answer is, he was an example to me and to you of baptism and being obedient to his follower, or his father. So, um, I want you to close your Bibles in a second, and I want you to listen. Um, I'm going to share my story. When I was six, I grew up in a hellfire and brimstone church, and I'm grateful for it. Um, I, I'm grateful for what they instilled in me. Um, but when I was about six, my mom and my dad expected me to do some things, and one of them was walk that aisle, get saved, give your life to Jesus. I knew they expected it. My church expected it. A lot of pressure. And I did not want to go because I was getting it every week. Burn in hell forever. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> and uh, so I walked this out six. And the, here's the thing I remember most about that moment. The guy that talked to me had the worst breath you've ever smelled in your life, man. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible. He's in my face going, listen, man, is this what you want to do? And I'm like, I'll do anything if you'll just quit talking in my face, dude. Please. <laughs> And, and he walked me through this, and they took me up, and they ran me through the baptistry. And uh, the truth about my life was that even though I went to church every week, there was nothing about me that followed Jesus. Nothing at all. The life I walked away from church and lived did not look like Jesus. The kind of person I was did not look like Jesus. Uh, I had been through the baptistry waters. If you ask me, you've been baptized, I'd be going, yeah, man, I've been baptized. You've been baptized. Good. High five. Baptism. Right. But there was nothing about me that looked like a follower of Jesus. 
This past week, we took a little vacation to Nashville. I spent two years of my life in Nashville. I cannot believe this bothers me to talk about. But we're out riding around. I told my wife, I said, I want to take you to the church where I got saved. And we rode over to West Nashville. And uh, the church's not even called the same name. And it was just a powerful big church back in the day. And we parked on the curb outside. I said, this is the place where I realized that what I had wasn't Jesus. And Dave Busby preached a sermon about grace, about saving grace and dying grace. And I looked around at people who were living their lives differently than anybody I'd ever seen at church before. And I realized I didn't know Jesus. And I was baptized. Why? Because what had happened in my life wasn't real. And I knew it wasn't real. And, and, and you may have a testimony like that. Matthew and I were talking. And Matthew was pastoring a church. I want you to let this sink in, the significance of this. Got to get the name of the church. First Baptist Church, Spruce Pine. He's pastoring a church. And he comes to that place in his life where he looks at it and goes, baptism's on the wrong side of my faith. So the pastor stands up and goes, I need to be baptized. Let that sink in. And you think, well, surely there was a deacon's meeting and they wanted to fire him. No. What happened was a number of people got boldness to look at their own life and say, that's me. You with me? Uh, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're here. And maybe, maybe you've never heard the gospel. And maybe through this message, you understand the gospel. For the first time ever, you understand it. And maybe you need to respond. And then your next step would be baptism. But maybe you'd look at your life and go, wrong order. Uh, no doubt in my mind, wrong order. I know what God wants me to do. Um, we put that little slip in the worship folder like this. We're trying to make it as easy as possible. Um, what I'd love for you to do today, if that's where you're at, uh, because first of all, I want to remind you, if you've got anxiety about this, it ain't coming from God. And it's not coming from this church. We have celebrate. And we have five or six people walked out in the first service and we celebrated with them. So we're going to celebrate. Heaven's going to celebrate. That's what the Bible says. There's one person, one being, one entity that will not celebrate and he is your enemy. He is your enemy. So what I'd like for you to do is just put your name and phone number on that. And Vic and Matt and or Matthew and myself are going to be down here at the front. And just walk up and give it to us. That's it. We know what it means when you give it to us. We'll hug your neck, pray with you. Not going to embarrass you. She said, I just can't do that. Too many people. Then drop it in the bucket when you go out the door. We'll be, we'll be in contact with you. We'll follow up to help you take that step of obedience that God's calling to. Maybe you're looking around, you're going, I need a church home. I really like this place. I am ready. God has moved me to plant my life here. And that's the decision I need to make today. So we're about to wrap all this up. And we're going to sing a song together. And uh, that is our opportunity to respond because, man, we, we love to worship. We love to fellowship. We love to open God's word. But ultimately, this comes down to what do we say to Jesus? Do we say yes to him or do we continue to struggle against him? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for the time that we've had, for what you've already done. We look forward to what you're going to do now, Father. Um, God, I pray, I pray for the man, the woman who has struggled with this issue for some time, that you'd set them free today. Father, they, they would know the joy, that they would lay that burden down. Father, be ready. 
to take that step of obedience, Father, to put things in in right alignment between them and their Savior. God, for that person who didn't understand salvation, God, I pray that you would draw them today. For the family looking for a church home, if this is the place you want them to be, Father, help them to take that step today. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.